an army chaplain my soldiers asked me questions about God life relationships the Bible and I answered them as best I could with things I picked up along the way they also called me Padre so welcome to the dear Padre podcast where I take the questions of the day and do my best to address them today the question is how does God see us what is God looking for in us and the story that we are um, engaging with in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are stories of life, people's lives. The first story we have is about Samuel and Saul and the anointing of King David. Uh, the whole thing starts out with a deception. God has rejected Saul as king and Saul is lashing out. He is angry about this. And Samuel has to trick everyone uh, by taking a heifer, a young cow with him, to say that he's going to sacrifice. Um, and he's supposed to invite Jesse, David's father, to the sacrifice. Now, this is an act of divine deception. The evil and violent of this world do not deserve the truth. As a kid, they were always, you know, trotting out the old, what if Nazis were knocking on your door and you were hiding Jews? Would you lie to them? And the answer is always yes. You always lie to them um, because people that are there to kill and destroy and abuse do not deserve the truth. <clears throat> the truth is something. The truth is something that comes from God. And you can be sure that God is not going to be on the side of the people that are trying to kill and destroy <clears throat> and act violently. When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible. And I answered them as best I could with stories that I picked up along the way and other things rattling around inside my head. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I do just that, try to take the questions and answer them. Today I'm mourning the loss of Jacqueline Suero. She was a soldier that, uh, that I served with in Iraq and uh, found out that she had died um, yesterday. So we, as the Padre, um, I commend her to God and give thanks for her life. So personable, so friendly so willing to chat and share about her life um, and family with, with me over those years. So thankful for Jacqueline today. Let light perpetual shine upon her. When we get to the story of Samuel and Saul and King David, we have this strange scene where God tells Samuel to deceive everybody. Uh, he says, how long will you grieve over Saul? Even though Samuel was intimately connect, connected with Saul's demise, Saul's fall from favor, even though he has uh, been the judge, jury, and executioner on that project for the most part, uh, the Lord says to Samuel, don't grieve over Saul. How long will you do that? Um, certainly Samuel's feelings are valid. He's got grief about this. But the Lord tells him to go and find 
a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Here he is going to Bethlehem, a city that will appear in later stories. And Samuel is perplexed. How can I go? Everyone's going to know what I'm there to do, and Saul will kill me. So the Lord says, take a heifer, a cow, and say you're going to sacrifice, and no one will give you any trouble. And that's when you're going to meet this person that I want you to anoint. There is an act of divine deception going on here that uh, when you're evil and when you're trying to kill someone that is innocent, when you are trying to attack and destroy and maim, you don't deserve the truth. In fact, you deserve the lie. This is what is happening with Samuel and Saul. That, that often our ethical systems revolve around is it ever right to lie? Is it ever right to, to not tell the truth? And it's very clear from this story and, and, and others as well that uh, when the Lord, when Yahweh, and when, uh, when, when God's people are told to do something, uh, when they're going against someone that's trying to kill and destroy and murder, it's okay to lie. The classic question from my youth, what would you do if the Nazis knocked on the door and you were hiding Jews? The answer is always lie to them. Lie as best you can. Try to get them to go away. Um, on a number of levels, that's the right thing to do. On the level of protecting people from those who do wish to do them harm, that's the first level. You should always lie to protect people that are vulnerable. Second, you're lying to protect the perpetrators too, those who seek to do harm and evil. Um, it'd be better if they didn't. Better for them, in fact, um, in the long run, if they didn't. And so this is what Samuel does. He pretends to be going to sacrifice. And when he's going there, he meets Jesse. Jesse has a, a whole slew of sons, and they are paraded before him. And the Lord says to Samuel, do not look on their appearance. This is when Eliab, the first and oldest son, is standing before Samuel. The Lord whispers in Samuel's ear, um, especially when Samuel says in his mind, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. The, the word anointed is the word Messiah. Surely the one who's going to save us is before the Lord, the anointed one. And the Lord says, don't look at their appearance. Don't look at the height of their stature because I have rejected him. And then he says this, the Lord does not see as mortals see. People look on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. We live in a world that is obsessed with the outward appearance, and we all are to some degree or another. It is only when our outward appearance starts to fail us, starts to fade a little bit, that perhaps we go deeper. Age has a way of maturing people just because of our failings and our shortcomings, and it's limiting. But hopefully we learn this earlier in life not just at the end. We learn that all beauty and uh, all, all the ways we try to make ourselves look better and the way we assert ourselves over and against other people are all just vanity, emptiness, just blowing in the wind. And this is what uh, the Lord is teaching Samuel in this time. He's saying that the kind of qualities that make a good leader are not these outward appearance things. The tall kid shouldn't always get elected to be class president. 
uh, all these things that we look on, even our maleness or our straight maleness, um, should not be considered the only uh, thing or not, not be the main consideration how we choose people to lead us and people to make decisions on our behalf. Um, we live in a world obsessed with appearance. Even, even elderly politicians get a lot of work done so they can appear younger and more vibrant. Uh, we live in a world obsessed with this. And as Christians, we try to push back against that. Our sacred texts tell us that God doesn't look at the outward person. God looks at the heart, which is actually a lot more scary. On a good day, when I'm feeling good about myself, maybe I do want God to look at the outward appearance a little more because I feel like that's more put together than the inward part of me. The heart is the center of our emotions, the center of our inner life, the part that loves God. Uh, we love with our heart. We love other people with our heart. And that is what God is looking for. God is looking for hearts that are full of love. And then another child comes before Samuel, Abinadab, and says, the Lord has not chosen this one. Shama comes by. Nope, not that one. Jesse made seven of his sons go before Samuel. And every time Samuel says to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen one of these. And then like the shoes, like the guy buying shoes to the shoe salesman, who doesn't like any of the shoes. You got anything else in the back? And in fact, they do. He says, I have a youngest son. He's out keeping the sheep. And Samuel says to Jesse, bring him here. I will not sit down before he comes back. So they go out and get David. Um, doesn't say his name, I don't think, at this point. Um, he brings him in. And it says he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Here is the always the irony of the Old Testament, the irony of Samuel coming out, that here the the Lord has told Samuel, do not look on the outward appearance. Do not look how handsome he is or how tall he is or how strong he is. Don't try to picture him as a king just yet. Uh, look for the heart. See what God sees. And so they bring David before him. It says he had beautiful eyes. He was handsome. <laughs> Always kind of cracks me up. And the Lord says, arise and anoint this one. And why is this? Why, why does it say don't look on the outward appearance? And then it says he's beautiful and he's handsome. Because I think there's a fundamental human message here that, that God is imparting through this text. In that when we focus on the heart, when we focus on our heart, like where is my heart in all this? Where is, how is my heart doing? Uh, is God seeing me? And if God is seeing my heart, what does God see? What is in there? Um, if we are asking those questions and seeking to renew that relationship in our heart, uh, we find that the world becomes more beautiful. Everything does. People do. Everybody does. When we start looking at ourselves the way God looks at us, everything looks different, including this boy who comes out of the desert with his sheep. He's ruddy, beautiful eyes, handsome, maybe has red hair. Hard to know what the translation is of that word. But this is the one who is anointed. So the horn of oil is brought out. He's anointed. And it says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And then Samuel left. And the spirit of the Lord.
We had a little interruption with the uh, alarm going off. I have an alarm for a parishioner from a, not this church, but the last church that I forgot to put her in the prayer notebook. And so I always set an alarm in the morning. And I have kept that alarm to keep her in the prayer book. And I hope she's okay. hope Deborah's okay. I hope she's healed from that surgery that we prayed for. And I forgot to put her in. So it's always a reminder to, to remember people and to remember, um, remember how to care for them and love them for me. And so um, this is David's story. God's looking at the heart and everything looks different. And then we get to the story in Mark's gospel where it says the kingdom of God is like someone who is growing crops. And then the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a tiny seed that's planted in the ground that grows up to be a very large tree, a very large bush. And birds come and make their nest in it. Um, it's a very simple parable. A guy plants a seed, it's small, it grows into a big plant, and birds come to nest in its shade. And I can't help but think this is a picture of God's love. That from very little things like David, King David, this shepherd boy, become come big things. Big things not in the sense that they exert power and authority over others, although certainly King David did that, but things that are beautiful, things that are meaningful. The older I get, the more the birds speak to me, the more into birds I get, the way they fly, the way they roost, the way they find food, the way they just exist is delightful to me. And it's delightful to God. When God looks down this earth, God sees the birds. Jesus said this himself, that not even a sparrow can fall without God seeing that sparrow fall. God sees the sparrows fall. God sees the birds nest in the branches. God sees the shepherd boy out on the backside of the desert, forgotten, alone. God sees you. God sees me. God sees our hearts that long for love. God sees our hearts that long for grace. God sees us, and God knows us, and God knows you today. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can be sure that God loves you and that God knows your heart. God knows the innermost desires and feelings that you are experiencing. You are not alone on this planet. You are not alone in your grief, in your love, in your joy, in your sorrow. These are all experiences that God looks down and God looks at the birds and God looks at us and sees us nesting in the shade of those branches, a vision of perfection and love that God is drawing us into deeper and deeper every single day. Amen. Mm -hmm.